When kids just won't listen, parents often feel stuck between two choices, to give in or get angry. It's exhausting. We give you the top techniques directly from the experts, helping you on your path to a more peaceful, respectful, and joyful life with your kids. This episode is about mindfulness and meditation with Tracy Osborne. She is a mindful parenting coach and conscious living specialist. Tracy works with moms and kids through group coaching and or one-on-one coaching. Uh, she facilitates a 30-day no yelling challenge, workshops and classes, and the hashtag no yelling movement campaign on social media. She keeps a mindful parenting journal on Instagram stories where she shares tips on how to yell less and have a stress-free morning. Tracy has also recently become a number one international bestseller for her book entitled Yes, I Can, 22 Success Secrets from Inspiring People Around the World. Today, Tracy shares some of her daily meditation strategies that can help individuals who want to start practicing mindful parenting. She outlines the steps on how she helps parents change their mindsets and shares the importance of keeping a habit of journaling. We're going to go into the specifics of journaling because we've all heard that we should be journaling, but rarely on what we should be journaling or when we should be journaling. And we get into all that in this show. For those of you who want to start with mindful parenting, after you check out this episode, head to the Beginner's Meditation Guide and Workbook on her website. And you can also find her at her radio show on Wellbeing Radio every Tuesday. You'll find links to those in the show notes. And let's get started with Tracy Osborne. Tracy Osborne, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Tracy, what is it that you love about working with kids? I love that kids know how to focus on one thing, and I love that they are very creative and they don't have a lot of fear. They're willing to adventure and try new things and test the water, per se. So currently you're doing a lot of mindfulness practice and you are helping other parents uh, with mindfulness and mindful parenting. What does that look like? How, how are you helping them? And what are some of the challenges there? Well, some of the challenges are is that parents are really parenting on automation or on autopilot. So when they come to me, it's more of getting them to make conscious effort when they are parenting, right? Because a lot of how they're parenting comes from how they were parented, whatever their social norms are, or whatever their their cultural biases are. So a lot of it is like imposed on them and they don't, you know, question their beliefs. So when they come to me, it's just like all about questioning your beliefs and seeing if it's aligned with you and your family. Okay. And just so I understand... I know you have children of your own. Do you help um, other kids with mindfulness or is that part of what you teach? Or 
Yes, I do help other kids with mindfulness. It's um, really getting kids to um, understand their emotions. So part of mindfulness is social emotional intelligence and understanding their thoughts. All right. So can you tell us about kind of what your approach looks like when when you first start working with a parent? So when I first start working with a parent, I first really get them down to their why, the reason why they want to go into the mindful parenting approach, because I feel and I know from past clients that if they have a real deep why that's like bigger than them, when it gets tough, they are still able to sustain moving into the mindful approach. So the first thing I do is just letting them understand what their why is and figuring out, you know, why they want to change is the first premise. Um, and what's their, what's the main response you hear from them or if there is one? Yeah. So their main responses is that, um, you know, they don't want to yell and they know that yelling is bad, but they can't stop it. Um, and another response is, you know, they never wanted to parent like their, their parents, but they are, and they want to stop that. Or another response is like, they weren't yelled at, but they're yelling at their children and they don't know why, you know, and they don't know how to stop it. And you're, and you're identifying that as kind of an auto, well, it sounds like they're saying that's kind of automatic. They don't know why it's happening. It's not what they really intended. And you're, you're helping them identify that as an automatic process versus a conscious mindful process. Right. Right. So, so what's the next step? How do we, how do we get there? Um, what does it, what does it take? So it takes a lot of patience <laughs> and really changing how you view like your, your parenting beliefs, right? Like your parenting mindset, you really have to change a lot of beliefs, really have to question all of the beliefs. Um, Cause a lot of parenting beliefs are, you know, kids are doing stuff to me on purpose and parents are taking what their kids are doing personal. So that's one thing that we have to get rid of is like, never take a child personal you know, they do as well as they can, right? They're not trying to do anything to hurt the parent on purpose. So that's the main, that's the real main thing for parents is like, you know, when they're telling their child to listen and a child doesn't listen, the parent takes it personal. And it's like really reframing that and having empathy and seeing it from the child's perspective, not always, you know, going and talking to your child and having these um, high expectations or um, really going in there and just being a good listener or being a good observer and not putting in your prejudged thoughts in it. Yeah. So how do you, how do you help people see that if they're, if they're stuck in that, or if they come to you in that mindset that the kid is out to get them, how do you help them see that? Well, I have a program that I put them through the 5 Mindful Pants program and how I get them to see it is I make them aware of it, right? I, I first teach them about their triggers because there is triggers that parents have. And once they know the, the triggers and um, then they're able to approach the kids better, it's like a trigger for a lot of parents are when a child doesn't listen, right? And if you know that that is your trigger and you're mindful of it, 
then after doing it for a while, they will eventually not get triggered when their child doesn't listen. So it's all about knowing your trigger and then like perceiving what your child is doing in a different way. Okay. So they're, they're, they're identifying the triggers and then you're saying that the, the solution is mindfulness, becoming, becoming mindful of it in the moment. Yes. It's all about being in the moment. Yes. Cause you can, because when they're in the moment, they, they become aware and then they can deescalate right there in the moment. They can start to calm down, but they, you know, it's just really, um, getting them aware, but it takes, again, it takes practice and being consistent. And then after that, you journal, right? Because they're definitely going to make mistakes and they're definitely going to, you know, just systemically do their impulsive nature. But it's like right after the situation, I say to journal, to look in the mirror, to verbalize what went wrong. And then if they keep doing that, eventually they'll reprogram their brain to change to the way that they want to respond. But again, they have to take conscious effort. If they don't make it a problem or if they don't bring attention to it, then their brain, because your brain loves to work off of systems, will keep having you react in that same way unless you stop it. Like, right, like you can't wait until hours later. Like, you have to literally do it like right after it happens. And then your brain will eventually be like, okay. This is a new way. And we've done this 10 times. So this is the way we're supposed to act now. So I was reading about you and I believe I saw something that said you are meditating like two hours a day. Mm -hmm. What is the, what is the minimum effective dose when people want to get started? Let's say they've never meditated before. Um, what are they, what are they looking at in order to start changing that, um, automatic reaction and becoming more mindful of it? Well, um, the minimum would be, um, 15 minutes, but, um, when they're just starting, I would really just say, start with self observation and self awareness, meaning that just being aware of your reactions, because that's also a form of meditation more like mindful meditation because meditation is really just getting you to focus and to be aware of what's going on right and that formal in that formal way but you can also do a form of meditation where you're just being mindful in the moment of what's going on especially when it when it's in the moment that you don't want to react that way it's just being mindful of your reaction okay and so that um, that self ob observation part, like if, if they haven't even started meditating yet and they're just kind of, yeah, trying to catch themselves and observe their own behavior, what tools do you recommend for doing that? Like, what does that look like? Journaling. It's all about journaling. Like, um, because in the very beginning, you might not be able to observe or be aware because, again, it's impulsive and you're automatically reacting. But afterwards, you can be like, just question. Like, I don't want to act like this. And you just really write about it in a journal or you speak about it in a journal. Like you speak about what went wrong and um, how you could have changed it. And then what are you going to do moving forward? And if they do that every time, eventually it will become automated for them to be aware.
I do that. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if I'm doing it right because I know that um, I've, I've kind of compared notes with some friends of mine around journaling and we see how different everybody does it. Um, mm -hmm. mine's, mine's kind of a, a dialogue with myself of, yes, I write here, I'm upset about this. You know, I kind of let my different personalities out and hopefully find the mature one. But I notice sometimes journaling, we can just end up narrating and going on and on. So do you have any other um, advice around the specifics of, of journaling? How, how long are people spending on it? And how do they know that they're doing it right? Well, again, there's no right or wrong. It's whatever is feeling comfortable, like it would be growth. But with journaling, I have a label. I use an app called Evernote. And I, um, so Evernote is like the black and white composition book on um, electronically. So I have different journals that I label, right? Um, so I would have um, like one journal would be an emotional journal, you know, because that journal, I'll just go in there when I'm talking about my emotions. And then I have a journal where, you know, the interaction with my kids. So it just depends on what you want to work on. And again, it's best to just work on one thing so you're not overwhelmed. Um, don't overwhelm yourself, but like just one particular area of focus that you want to focus on. And every time um, that area, you know, it, you act out in a way that you don't want to um, act, you say it in your journal. So the first thing is you just kind of review what went on and you just talk about it. And the main thing is to speak out loud and look in the mirror. And once you, once you do that, you start to de-escalate and then you can start um, to think about how you want to react the next time that this particular situation happens. But you first have to let out what happened and what went wrong. And then forgive yourself for it. It's like, okay, what is the lesson that you need to learn from this? And how are you going to approach it the next time? When you say speak out loud and look in the mirror, sometimes those are used metaphorically. Do you mean actually say the thing out loud? And do you mean actually looking in the mirror? Yes, yes. Because we are faced with a voice in our head and it tends to overpower you when you speak silently and it's very negative towards you and debilitating, like it will make you feel guilty for what you just did. But if you speak out loud to it and you're hearing your voice, you tend not to talk to yourself in such a mean manner, especially when you're looking at yourself. It's a little harder to talk yeah. negative to yourself. So that's why it's very important to speak out loud because it also shuts down that voice, you know, it's not going to really self judge you as bad as it does when it's inside of your head. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard people say, and I've felt this way myself sometimes, you know, something like I would never speak to someone else the way I speak to myself mm -hmm. as critically as harshly. And there's things going on in our heads that are sometimes just awful. You know, and so you're saying that by getting it out there, 
uh, verbally or and or on paper, you can either kind of stop it in its tracks or I guess work with it, right? Yes, yes. Because you're not going to say what's in your head. So it's like when you're looking in the mirror, it's like you're talking to another person. And you're not going to be, it's going to be much harder for you to criticize yourself or say all those harsh things that you do when you're saying it out loud. So after, after having that practice down and someone's ready to start meditating, what are some, what are some of the, the big hurdles you, you see for people who are new to setting up a meditation practice? Well, the biggest hurdle is, is that meditation in the beginning could be more stressful, actually, than the, the, the stress that a person has already. Because again, when you first start meditating, you know, we, we have an average of over 60,000 thoughts that go through our mind a day, but we don't really pay attention to it. Like we're, you know, we're adjusted to it. But when you close your eyes and you meditate, you hear that voice or those thoughts on high frequency, Right. And it's be again, it's because it's something new. Um, your brain is going to send off thoughts that is going to make you want to stop meditation. And it is very convincing. Like you'll start thinking about what you're cooking for dinner. You start saying this stuff is no good. This doesn't work. This is taking too long and you're focusing on the time and it's just doing everything to get you to stop. So, yes. Yeah, so in the beginning, it can be very stressful because of the thoughts but this is actually good it's it's what meditation is is being aware of thoughts because there's a myth where people think that when you meditate you're supposed to stop your thoughts and thoughts are like breathing if you stop breathing then your thoughts will stop the thoughts do not stop it's just being aware of those thoughts and when you realize that you have lost focus it's just bringing your attention back to whatever you're focusing on some people may focus on a mantra a light breathing scanning, whatever they're focusing on, right? So it's just really training your brain to be able to focus on one thing, give it its full attention. But in the very beginning, you will get bombarded with thoughts and they're very strong and it's very convincing to get you to stop. So I've, I've gone back and forth on this in my own meditation practice. Sometimes I want to get those thoughts out. So I have my paper, my journal, I might even record uh, my voice so I can listen back. But then part of me is thinking, well, no, I should. The, the point here is to meditate, not to journal. So um, what do you think about about that? Um, tune, how much should we tune into those thoughts versus um, getting back to meditating, if you will? Well, Another big nice thing with meditation is it's about not judging and not labeling it as good or bad. Like however your session was with meditation, that's how it was supposed to be, right? We don't want to create a story behind what we experienced while we were meditating. So sometimes you may be caught up in, in thoughts because thinking is addicting. It's a habit. It's like being on drugs. It's like sugar. It's, it's, it's a habit to listen to your thoughts. So if you get caught up in listening to your thoughts, it's fine, right? The next time you may do better. And sometimes 
you can just stay focused for only a couple seconds. But that's what we want. We want to strengthen that focus to where you're able to focus for much longer. But it takes a while to be able to do it because depending on your age, if you're in your 30s, you have been consumed with your thoughts for over 30 something years. Because even I, I do meditation with my kids and at five or six, you know, they're aware, they're, they're self-aware, they're self-observing. They already know about their thoughts. So they're even, you know, they, you know, thoughts have started from such like, you know, five or four, four years old. So imagine 30 years of thinking, you can't just break that cycle in like a couple months of meditation. So that's like the biggest thing is like, don't label and don't judge. And there's no right or wrong way of doing meditation. And I know you would bring it because they have a lot of variations of meditation. It's about just trying, trying it out, you know, for a couple days, like choose one, try it out for a couple days, see how you like it. And if you don't like that particular style, then you move on to another one. Right. So it's all about really just figuring out what works for you. And just wondering what works for, for a lot of people. Do you have any kind of recommendation over, let's say, I know you said 15 minutes is a good starting place. Is there anything around time of day or if I, if I miss it for a week, should, should I add an extra hour next week? Or do you have any recommendations around the timeline? Yeah. Um, so between, so especially in the very beginning, I would say between five to 15 minutes, but you want to really get to a half an hour hour because sometimes it takes that long to to get yourself to focus, right? To really get into like a good meditation. Um, it gets better the longer you sit. But in the very beginning, yes, five to 15 minutes is fine. Um, you had another question, but I lost it. I'm about thinking about meditation. time of day and I'm thinking just about scheduling it and like, should I... Should I do twice as much if I miss a day kind of thing? No, because especially in the beginning, that'll kind of be torture on yourself. Um, again, you want to take it easy. So if you miss a day, again, do not judge yourself. Do not criticize yourself. Just, you know, do it the next day for that same allotted time. Now, again, it depends on if you are a morning person or an evening person. For me, meditation at night doesn't really work because I'm not a night person. Like I would be struggling to try to stay up and not fall asleep while I'm meditating. So for me, I meditate at five from five to six every morning. Um, but that works for me because I'm a morning person. You know, so it just really depends on if if you're a morning or if you're an evening person. And if you have children, you want to do it, you set the alarm where you're doing it before your children wake up. And um, for me, I like doing it that early in the morning because there's nobody, well, well, I have set a routine for myself. Like I don't look at my phone or anything like that. But again, nobody's calling me and trying to get in contact with me. I don't have to worry about dinner or all of these type of things. So it's easier for me to do it in the morning. Even though I do, I'm able to meditate when my kids are here. Um, they know not to mess with me when I'm meditating, or even if they do, um, you know, I don't move from the meditation. So, you know, just being consistent with that. But yeah, definitely for me in the morning works. Like what time do you usually go to sleep? 11. Okay. Yeah. So do you think you're more of a night person or a morning person? I think I'm, I think I'm a night person, but I've been trying to 
move that. So I'll stay up till five in the morning if I if I let myself, but I'm not getting any, I'm not doing anything valuable in that time. So mm-hmm. I know if, I know if I go to bed quote early, which is eleven, then I'll get up and I usually uh, meditate within that first hour um, every day. And one of my one of my big uh, realizations in my practice is around having a timer. If I if I set a timer for when meditation is over, I find myself to I can really relax a lot more. I know that not everyone needs that, but when I first got into it long long ago, I didn't use a timer, and so the whole time I was just thinking, is this enough time? Has it been five minutes or 50 minutes? I don't know. And uh, that's been really helpful for me is to put it, it, put it at a certain time of the day, set a timer for a certain amount. And that way it's more of a um, kind of objective, kind of concrete habit rather than just hanging out, you know, which can be good sometimes too. But that's that's been one of my, one of the biggest, you know, useful tips for myself at least no definitely i definitely use a timer because again i would have those same thoughts of you know did i overdo it um yeah yeah so definitely i always meditate with with a timer. like i know how long i'm going to meditate and i look at the time so that's one less thought that i can have you know i'm not worried about how long it is so yes definitely a timer. definitely in the beginning um you want to use a timer because if not, like you said, you're going to focus on how long has it been, right? And then that right. becomes stressful because then now you want to look at the time. So, is there another step, or once someone has developed a let's say daily, you know, let's say they're doing their 30 minutes, they're doing it every day, are the results automatic? Are they going to be finding themselves more mindful with their kids, or is there something else? involved well again um it's not just doing that meditation mm-hmm. at that particular time because when you're doing meditation you do it at when you're in a calm serene state right but it's also practicing being mindful when you lose control or when um you know your emotions take over so yes so it's not just doing the meditation when it's calm it's the best time is when it's not calm to be mindful so it's all day it's really trying to practice and do it all day okay do you have any tips for making that leap from the from the cushion to the rest of the world you really got to make conscious effort you got to know your why and you have to make um, conscious effort to do it. If not, you're going to be on automation. It's just like, um, you know, every morning a person may go to work, but this morning they have to go to the store. If they don't make conscious effort that they're going to the store, they're going to automatically go straight to work, right? So it's like you have to remind yourself that, oh, I want to be mindful, you know, like it has to be a part of your regimen or has to be a part of your day. And if you keep repeating it to yourself, then eventually, yes, you will, you know, it will be systemic to become mindful. But it doesn't happen right away. Um, it takes like 21 days of really doing it for um, 
your brain to rewire itself to be mindful. Good to know. Um, and I think I have personally, I have some stuff working against me because I know that I'm ADHD. And so um, reminding myself to be mindful, even after my 21 days, I, I like to have, um, you know, a, a bell go off at a certain time of day or just, yes, you know, other things around the house, visual or auditory that are just kind of, oh, yeah, you know reminders mm -hmm. reminders kind of everywhere mm -hmm. the word mindful everywhere you can have it on your phone you know on your home screen um like you say you can set an alarm to be mindful so in your program um what's the what's the duration of your program so it was three months mm -hmm. how often are people hanging out with you in that time so it's three months, and then we do a weekly live call with um, Q&A, and then they get um, weekly assignments and um, some information and some resources that they go over for that week and that they're um, working on for that week. Okay. I'm curious about, I'm curious about all of that. Can you tell us about um, some of the resources and or assignments? I just... You don't have to give it all away, but I'm <laughs> I'm eager to to look into it. Yeah, we we um we went over some. So like the first week is really trying to figure out your why and going over your parents and mindset. And then um the second week is really knowing your triggers and some strategies on how not to yell and the third week, we'll go over your children triggers because they also have triggers as well. I um, mean, like in all of these phases, you know, you're in order to do these things, you're automatically being mindful. The parents are automatically being mindful, like they're making the conscious effort to do it. Um, and then like in, in the fourth week, then we'll just play out scenarios with the kids. Like they'll just talk about um, a situation with their kid and then um, that's when we start, they start journaling what's going on. And they also let, they have a discussion with their child and they let their child, especially because I'm all work with parents with kids of school age, um, five up to 17. So they're able to have these conversations with the children and they're on board. And like you said, like the same thing, like they, they put up um, notes and stuff around the house as like reminders. Um, they put colors because our color, our color for the program is blue, blue for the sky and blue for water to, to remember to remain calm. And, um, and then it's just like resources from, um, other, um, parenting analogies that like align with the 5T mindful parenting. And it's just like a lot of exercises. And then it's more accountability, right? Because that's like the main thing of being accountable. When you know you have all of these other parents who are being accountable and you have um, sessions and assignments. Now, now it makes it more, you're more eager to want to finish it because you know people are counting on you to finish it. For 
Well, for yourself, before you had this community, how did you, how did you have accountability? I mean, if someone doesn't have a community, obviously we would recommend that they check yours out or, or join one, but is there a way to, to do that when you're feeling all out on your own? Well, to be, you have to be able to self-motivate. You have to be able to self-motivate yourself. And that's a part of the journaling and looking at yourself in, in the mirror and holding your own self accountable. Like on Sundays, you know, you set a parenting because a lot of times, you know, we, we create goals for what we're doing in life and not really parenting goals. So like you just pick one day out of the week and set your parenting goals, whatever that looks like, whatever you want to work on for that week. And then you review whatever you did on, on Sunday and then you create more. But you really have to be able just to hold your own self accountable. Or you can have friends who are like-minded, who also wants to change, but they have to be along where you want to go, you know, because um, you don't want people really antagonizing you know, what you're doing and the change that you're doing. Because they also do have, because I also have a, a free community um, that I have on Facebook also where we hold each other accountable and stuff as well. So they do have um, communities. Um, I'm in one where it's just like parents of all boys because I have all boys. So there's definitely something out there to help hold you accountable. Yeah, and I like that your community or your program is meeting every week. I think that, um, at least in my experience, when I, I have like-minded friends and a lot of things, but we don't necessarily schedule the accountability. We don't, you know, we both might like to go to the gym. We both might like to meditate or a hundred other things, but it's not weekly. It's just kind of, oh, we talk about it when we talk about it. You know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't get on the calendar. And so that's a, that's been a big part uh, for me to understand that in accountability in anything working together, um, having a regular meetings sounds sounds simple and obvious, but it's kind of easy to overlook, I think. No, but you, you hit it right on the nail. Once you put it on a calendar, it will happen. But if you just say, oh my gosh, we, we have to talk, we have to meet, then just, just, just look at it as never happening. But once you schedule it, it will happen. Is there any kind of advice out there that you think is just really awful when it comes to meditation and mindfulness? Is there anything that you're hearing from other uh, professionals or other people in the field that you think is is detrimental to mindfulness? No, because I've listened to Deepak Chopra, I've listened to Eckhart Tolle, the Dalai Lama, so I haven't heard anyone... Um, you know, but it's just myths that are out there that, that really, you know, makes it seem bad, that just a lot of people under this persona that, um, you know, meditating is always going to be this calm, full, serene thing and that, right. you know, your thoughts are supposed to stop and, and, you know, you're judging yourself and you're creating a story with it. So it's all like self-imposed, right, that, that makes that experience bad for a person if you go in there with the belief that you're supposed to stop your thoughts that'll that'll really like crush you or if you go in there thinking that every time you meditate is going to be this great experience and it's not <laughs> you know it's not like that all the time yeah so just kind of a general misunderstanding of 
the purpose and the and what the practice looks like and then people end up getting themselves in a difficult place that they didn't need to be in because they had got got the instructions wrong um are there any um books or videos or anything external resources that you recommend as your favorites for meditation um I actually created one. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a beginner's guide to meditation. So it's it's information on meditation, all the different styles of meditation, and then it's a workbook at the same time, like an action plan. Because I can, you know, I've learned from other clients, it's like you can give information, but if, if there's no action with it, then they're not really going to do anything with it. So, um, yeah, it's on my website. It's a free download. Um, it's called a, a beginner's meditation guide. Thanks for that. I'm going to check it out. Mm-hmm. I noticed you're a, you are a certified coach. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's, that's it. You've got that understanding of, like you said, getting, getting to the action step and how important that is, um, mm-hmm. creating a workbook versus just, I know, I know even with meditation, you know, there's so many books out there, but if they're not holding your hand, if they're not providing that accountability with some type of workbook section, um, then it's just, it can just be a lot of nice words that, that, uh, you know, read through. It goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And then we're so consumed right now in this generation with a lot of information. Oh yeah right so it's like the person doesn't need more information that's why i like about like my um, parenting program is like it's not just information it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle change you know it's not just three months of this it's like even though the program is three months but it's still you get the tools that you need to continue to make it to be make mindful parenting a lifestyle where can we find out more about you and these programs so um, it's on Tracy at my website, Tracy with an I-E, Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E dot com. Great. Is there anything else, anything else you wanted to let people know about before we say goodbye? Um, and then they can um, also um, follow me on either Facebook or Instagram at Tracy Osborne Speaks with an S. And you got your free... Um... Facebook community you talked about. Yes, yes, and that's, um, yep, it's on Facebook and it's called 5T Mindful Parenting with Tracy. And what's the 5T part mean? I don't know that I caught that. <laughs> yeah, so with the um, the 5Ts, uh, it's for me and my boys. Um, uh-huh. All our names begin with a T. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's your personal brand there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for being on the show. And you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I think, it was I, awesome. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. It's a very important, uh, maybe necessary ingredient to, to any change or habit change is to finding that first, you know, that first trigger, um, and and being mindful of it, or else, or else we. 
just don't really have much of a chance if we if we can't catch it, right? Right. If you don't if you don't know what it is, you'll just keep doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Tracy. Well, thanks so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And to all the listeners, we'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. Bye.